With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Say they be Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another training camp edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Who Dat Dis. And we have another jam packed episode. We have some news for you. We have some players talking to the media Emmanuel Sanders, Cameron Jordan. And obviously, it's just a really exciting time here as now we're just a week away from the padded practices starting and everything. And it seems like everything is going along very, very well, especially for the Saints. They have kind of the hotel that they've been using that a lot of the players have been staying in to try to create kind of a mini bubble almost. So that's obviously really good. The Saints have only had two players on the COVID list and then they were actually then taken off after two negative tests because obviously they had false positives. So that was good to see that the players actually are not positive for the virus and everything's good with their health. And those two players were Caden Ellis and Zach Wood. That's obviously great to see them healthy and hopefully they can continue their health here. And hopefully the Saints can see a really clean bill of health here. We've had some players opt out for not just the Saints. Saints had obviously two players that probably wouldn't have made the team anyways with Jason Vanderland and then also Cole Wick. But you've seen a lot of other teams not only get opt-outs, you have the Patriots having six opt-outs, but then you've seen other teams get hit by COVID and some players are getting it. And there's obviously a list out every day that really the NFL has done a great job, in my opinion, of letting everybody know who has COVID, who doesn't, and they're testing every day. They're getting it back same day. And that's great because they're doing a really nice job with the testing being very vigilant. And if they are very vigilant for the whole season... They're going to be able to make this work, but you have to continue this, and teams are going to have to be smart. Teams are going to have to be vigilant. Players are going to have to be vigilant, and it seems like, especially with the Saints, because that's a team we're talking about with this podcast, and they've done a great job. It seems like everyone's really on focus. Everyone wants to stay healthy here because, look, this is a Super Bowl or bust year, and to me, that's obviously really big that these players have said multiple times through all of their interviews, it's Super Bowl or bust, it's Super Bowl or bust, it's Super Bowl or bust. We haven't heard that from the Saints before. So I'm just really excited that this Saints team seems so motivated towards the Super Bowl that it just it feels different than last year. It feels different than the year before, or maybe the same as 2018, where that team felt destined to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, as Sean Payton always says, they gave us the key, they just didn't let us in. And that was something that happened in 2018. Like, that's the same feeling. Like, this can actually happen. We can do this. And we have the group of guys that could do this. So that's obviously amazing. And we're obviously going to get into the player interviews with Emmanuel Sanders, Cameron Jordan, both speak. And they said some really interesting things that I want to tell you guys about and give you my opinions on. But first, I do want to talk about some news here as we have some updates on the Jadavion Clowney situation and Everson Griffin situation 
here with Nader Murphick giving us another update, which is just great. I love to hear these updates. I thought this one was very interesting because it confirmed of what of a lot of Saints fans, analysts, and what I was thinking, and it was that the Saints just kind of are looking into these players, but it seems like at a low price, they're trying to lowball them, and then if these players have no other choices, they can go and win a Super Bowl with the Saints. And you can see what Nader said here. He said that my source confirms that the Saints looked into signing Everson Griffin, but couldn't agree on the money. Seems that's the case with Clowney as well. I give them, and that's really talking about the Saints, credit. They're trying, but the money situation is tight. When you're looking at this situation, you're going to see that the Saints are obviously trying to kind of take the next step as a team, trying to add depth, trying to add really good players. But here's the thing. When you're strapped against the cap, and also the cap's going to go down next year, do the Saints really need that Clowney-type player, that Everson Griffin-type player right now? And with Marcus Davenport really primed to have a big year, you obviously have Cameron Jordan. You have some pretty good depth. You might as well see what you have here in training camp, and then let's just say a Clowney is still not signed going into like that last week of training camp before the season or whatever the case is, maybe then you go out and sign Clowney and he's ready for like week two if you really feel like your depth isn't there. Or same thing with Everson Griffin as well. Because to me, you don't really know what you're going to get out of a guy like Marcus Hunt. Or maybe you're going to get more out of a guy like Carl Granderson. Maybe you're going to get more out of a guy like Mario Edwards Jr. It's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. Those guys are obviously depth pieces, but maybe that they could really, in the limelight, in the spotlight here, let's say a Davenport did get hurt, you trust them still. And that's, I think, is the most important thing when you're looking at it. You obviously want great depth for Cameron Jordan. You want, obviously, the same thing with Marcus Davenport, a guy that's obviously kind of injury-prone here early in his career. We've seen that. But again, I think I'd say that he's going to come together and have a really good season. And what are you going to do with really a rising Marcus Davenport, a Jadavion Clowney, and Cameron Jordan. Now, obviously, you would love to have those embarrassment of riches. But again, you're going to try to do that, but you're not going to obviously give him a $17 million contract like he's looking for. He's looking for $15, $17 million. The Saints can't give him that. And you're not going to cut guys. You're not going to cut your team right now to try to add Jadavion Clowney. And that's, I think, what the Saints are doing right now. Obviously, I'd love to get Jadavion Clowney at the right price. I think that's the right kind of way to say it. At the right price, you would like anybody. And I think what the Saints are doing is they're probably offering him $5 million, $8 million, whatever it is, and they're just saying, look, if you have no other offers and you want to go out and win a Super Bowl, here you go. You want to put yourself in a good situation for next year, here you go. And yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. You're not getting a blockbuster contract here, but you get a chance to win a Super Bowl. You get a chance to learn with this veteran Saints roster. You get to learn how to win. And you looked at guys already accepted this. Look at Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's a guy that probably could have got more money elsewhere, comes to the Saints to learn behind Drew Brees, maybe get a ring here. And then next year, he's going to try to get another contract. Maybe he's to stay with the Saints. But it's going to be interesting to see all that works out. But again, you look at a guy like Clowney, wouldn't be the first guy to do that with the Saints. So to me, when looking at this situation, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints went out and got Clowney. Even though, like, I think if the Saints got Clowney, the national news would go crazy. They'd be like, oh, the Saints are the best team. This is the splash move. But I don't think they need to make it. I think that's the main thing. They don't need to make it. I do think that they definitely probably need another guy or they need another guy to step up behind Davenport and Jordan. But I'd like to see the guys that they have in the building first before you go out and sign a Clowney type guy and or whoever it ends up being. Now, maybe that would obviously make me feel a lot better because I said last episode with Brendan Boylan from Saints News Network, 
I said that I'm a little worried about the Saints defensive line, not the starters, but the depth. And I'm worried because there's a lot of unknowns. And when you're looking at what the Saints should do, and I even said it would be it would make me feel a lot better if they signed Clowney. But I understand where the Saints are coming from because right now you're a week away from putting pads on and seeing what these guys have, especially these depth guys with like Marcus Hunt, like we were just talking about, Mario Edwards Jr., Carl Granderson, Troy Hendrickson. You want to see what those guys have. Maybe they've improved off of last year. And you want to see that before you go out and give Jadavion Clowney more money than maybe you wanted to and like actually maybe don't give him that $8 million deal. Maybe you kind of up it and really give him kind of a serious offer, not a lowball offer. Well, then you're going to do that because these guys aren't ready and these guys are not going to do it. And to me, I think the Saints would do anything here to kind of stir up the roster so they go to the Super Bowl. And I think that they may do that. But that brings in a lot of other issues. Like, who are you going to cut to free up a big contract? Because right now, you only have $8 million. Who are you going to restructure? Who are you going to cut? And in a time where you're going to have the cap probably go down next year, is that going to affect you for the future? And are you going to sell in this year to win a Super Bowl right now this year and affect you next year when you probably still will have a Super Bowl winning roster? It's going to be interesting to see that give and take. But to me, you don't have to make that decision until you see what you have with your 80 guys right now in that defensive line group. You want to see what the guys you have and you brought in the building, what they can do. You want to you want to really figure it out. So maybe, let's just say Marcus Hunt's having a really good camp. Maybe Trey Hendrickson's taken that next step here in his fourth season, in a contract season. Maybe he's ready to kind of go into that starting role. You don't really know until you see it. And then if they can't do it, and you're not seeing a lot of results, you're seeing a lot of last year, then you may want to go out and get a clowny type player and really kind of go 100% all in nuclear on the season. Now, if they do that, look, I think everyone would be just very, very, not only surprised, but just excited. I think that's the best word. Everyone would be so excited, gun-ho for the season. And it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all works out. And maybe Clowney goes, look, I don't have any good offers right now. I don't want to go to Cleveland. And you saw the Seahawks just took their offer off the table. I want to go out win a Super Bowl with the Saints. And maybe he comes regardless on a short-term deal. Maybe that's something they do as well. But it seems like right now the money's off. And it seems like Clowney is not going to accept a kind of a lowball offer from the Saints, at least for now. And that obviously brings a few questions. Who's going to break first? Is Clowney going to go away and sign with another team? Are the Saints going to up their offer? That's going to be kind of what we see here in the future, in the first few weeks here of training camp. And again, it's all about leverage. If the Saints feel like they have guys in their defensive line group to have good depth and to start maybe potentially if you see an injury, if they think that, then they're not going to get Clowney. If they don't think that and they're like, okay, this looks very similar to last year and we had trouble at the end of last season because we didn't have Marcus Davenport, we didn't have Sheldon Rankins. If we don't have guys that can cover those losses, guys that are injury-prone players, then we should go out and get a guy like Clowney, get a guy like Everson Griffin, and that could really shore it up. So that's definitely what I'm thinking there. And to me, time will tell. And Clowney's still not signed. And as long as Clowney's not signed, to me, that's good news for the Saints because then they can keep waiting. They can keep pushing that can down the line, kicking that can, I really should say, down that line. And they can get to that point where, okay, we're good. We don't need Clowney. Or they could be like, okay, we probably should add a player and Clowney's out there. This would really help our team. Because if you have Davenport at that next level and he's playing maybe at the level or maybe above Clowney, then do you really need Jadavion Clowney here? Do you need to give up, or I shouldn't say give up, but I should say risk future assets 
for Clowney, even if you have a player up to his level with Davenport? And I think these are all questions that you need to ask. And this defensive line group is a question mark. I definitely want to see more from that depth here in training camp. But if the Saints feel like they have enough, they're going to stick with their guys. And if they don't feel like they have enough, they're going to make it happen. They're going to go get their guy. We've seen it so many times, and I think this is going to happen. And why I'm a little worried about them going here into 2020 is because they haven't added a guy like Clowney, and we haven't seen them on the field on Sundays during the fall in the regular season or in the playoffs for that matter as well, really have consistent play beyond off the edge from Mar- beyond Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan. And that's just what's happened, and that's why I'm worried here. And maybe that will change. Maybe the Saints coaching staff will kind of figure out what to do there, and they're going to help those guys. So that could happen, and we could be fine here without a Marcus Davenport if he got hurt. And that would be amazing. But if you don't, they should definitely look into adding a guy and maybe upping their offer a little bit with Griffin and Clowney. But to me, it's great to see that the Saints are even interested in these guys, and hopefully they can get a deal done to really kind of just beef up this group and just show that, look, we're the best in the league. So obviously I'm rooting for a deal here, but I don't think it's 100% necessary. Like, I'd love to see Clowney in the Saints uniform. I'd love to see it. But if they didn't get him, I would still be extremely confident about the Saints team, about the Saints defense, and even about the Saints defensive line, which has been really good. It's been getting better every year since the start of the 2017 season. But before we get into talking about what Emmanuel Sanders said and Cameron Jordan said, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dat Discussion. And now we are going to get into our talk about Emmanuel Sanders and what he said and Cameron Jordan, what he said during their media availability and what Cameron Jordan said on the Good Morning Football Show on NFL Network. And I want to start off with Emmanuel Sanders here as he talked to the Saints media for the first time since when he signed with the Saints. So I thought it was great to hear his opinions on a ton of different topics. But what I want to zero in on here is what he said about Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and kind of the similarities between his big year in 2014 and what the Saints are trying to do with his production in 2014, how that compares to the Saints here in 2020. Obviously, you got the veteran QBs, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, both pass-heavy offenses, and it was just really interesting to hear what he had to say on these topics. So here's Emmanuel Sanders talking about what makes the Saints offense unique and some comparisons between Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. Uh, I think it's Drew, you know, and Drew, Drew work. I, I love it. Like that guy, he goes to work every every day. He's coming to work with with with, with energy. Like nobody's gonna outwork him. He's the hardest working guy. And, you know, um, you know, he reminds me of a lot of Peyton, and it's the reason why those guys are great because uh, they work their butt off. And um, and and it's not just from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint as well. They're sharp on their toes about everything and making sure that everybody's in the right place. And so uh, it's been clicking on all cylinders. I'm looking forward to it. You know. I thought what Sanders said was just extremely interesting, and he's likening his time with the Broncos to his time here now with the Saints and how they can do a lot of similar things. He wants to play on the outside, wants to play on the inside in the slot. He wants to do a lot of different things, and this is really what I want to talk about is what Emmanuel Sanders can do in a pass-happy offense like he did with 2014 in Denver and now with the Saints in 2020, which is also just one of those offenses that, look, Drew Brees is going to sling it, And even though you would like to run the ball, 
definitely a lot with Alvin Kamara and stuff like that, you definitely see a, a lot of stability and kind of a 50-50 here. And Sanders haven't, hasn't even seen that, excuse me, over his last few years. So we're just going to dive right in here to this 2014 Denver Broncos team here that Emmanuel Sanders on just had a huge year. And you're looking at what Peyton Manning did that season. It was the year after they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Seahawks, just to give you some background here. And Peyton Manning threw for over 4,700 yards, 39 touchdowns, 15 picks. Now, I don't know if Drew Brees, first of all, I don't think he's going to throw 15 picks. I don't know if he's if he's going to throw 4,700 yards, excuse me, there and 39 touchdowns. That's just insane. But let's just say he throws somewhere between like 45, 43, something like that. Maybe he gets up to 47. Wouldn't surprise me if he got up to 47. And also throwing, to me, over 30 touchdowns. That's how much touchdowns he's going to throw. You saw how good he was at the end of last year. Like, again, if you like projected what he did in his 11 games over 16 games, it's pretty similar to these stats. And then you look at what their offense was able to do. So going into these receivers here, you would think that Emmanuel Sanders was number one. He had a huge year, over 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns, over 100 receptions. But actually, Demarius Thomas has a better season here, and he's the number one receiver in this offense with 111 catches, over 1,600 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And that, to me, you can compare to what Michael Thomas will do or something similar to that, and that's kind of your number one guy. And Emmanuel Sanders backed that up with, as I said, over 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns with over 100 receptions. So to me, you could kind of see where he fits. Even though he wasn't the number one, he still put up amazing numbers. Okay, but you're going to tell me the Saints have so many other weapons. They have Jared Cook. They have Alvin Kamara. Well, really, when you're looking at this Denver team, they kind of had a Jared Cook of their own with Julius Thomas, who in 13 games and 10 starts, he put up 43 catches, almost 500 yards, and 12 touchdowns in 13 games. 12 touchdowns in 13 games is an outstanding amount of touchdowns and really boggles my mind. So that kind of reminds me a little of Jared Cook, really good in the red zone, probably going to get around 50 catches. I think if Thomas played a full 16-game season, he probably would have got around 600 yards, maybe 650, something like that. And that would have been really good for them. It was really good for them. And I think that if Jared Cook can put up over 50 catches, maybe something around 60 catches, around 700 yards. And I mean, 12 touchdowns is insane. But let's say you did something like nine touchdowns, you'd still be very happy about that. Now, who's your three receiver? You have Wes Welker. So Wes Welker, in like his last year of his career, he plays 14 games, on only eight starts, and he puts up 49 catches, 464 yards, and two touchdowns. You could see probably between Traquan Smith and Ty Montgomery now doing something similar to that. And you could definitely see where that would combine into those two guys' roles. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints do that. Maybe you add Deontay Harris in there as well. Maybe someone like Taysom Hill can add into those stats. And like I feel like a lot of guys can definitely do what Wes Welker did and a few other guys for their team, because obviously they had some other guys as well. They had Jacob Tammy catch two touchdowns. And you're looking at it, you had your running back, C.J. Anderson, had over 300 yards, and Ronnie Hillman had um, 140 yards receiving. And that's obviously really great. But the player that they're missing on this 2014 offense is Alvin Kamara. And what he does out of the backfield is insane. 81 catches. He's putting up basically yearly because he's had 81 catches over the last three seasons. He's putting up around 700 yards. Last year was a little less with 500 yards. But I'm thinking that he can really take that next step there. So that's where I think that the Saints, this Saints offense is different than that Denver offense. But you can see where maybe not Emmanuel Sanders will put up 1,400 yards. But you could see 1,000 yards here. 
you could see something like 900 yards and maybe not 100 catches, but maybe you're seeing something like 75 catches. And that's where I see, excuse me, Sanders playing for the Saints. And you can see that he can have a big year. And he says he's going to have a career year. And now I don't know about that, but I, but, I, but I think that he can put up close to 1,000 yards, maybe over that 1,000-yard level, and probably around, I mean, nine touchdowns is probably a little high, but let's say something like seven touchdowns. That's great. And if he can come in and do that, if he could put up like 1,000 yards, 75 catches, or maybe even a little less, but I think it's going to be around 70 catches. If he, if he could put up 1,000 yards, 900 yards, something like that, kind of, and then also seven touchdowns on top of that, you're loving that. And if Emmanuel Sanders can do that, and he looks like he's, first of all, he's saying all the right things, but we know he'd do that. Really great veteran in the wide receiver group as well. It's going to help Michael Thomas, said Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the game. And when you're looking at what the Saints can do here, it's just sky's the limit with Emmanuel Sanders. And he's going to do so many different things. Like this year in Denver, he played in the slot, but then also he was able to play on the outside as well. He did a lot of different things there. More of a pro-style offense that they look to pass. And you're looking at what like the 49ers did last year. They're more that play action. You want to throw the deep ball, but you're really predicated on the run. The years before that in Denver for Sanders, you just had some quarterbacks. It was like a quarterback carousel, basically. You had Trevor Simeon. You had Case Keenum in there. Just like a lot of different guys. And it all didn't really work out. You had Paxton Lynch for a little bit. Didn't work out for them. And Sanders was still putting up numbers, but that was in a run-heavy offense. And really the last time he's played in at least a balanced offense or more of a pass-happy offense with the Saints you're really bringing it back to this 2014-2015 season with Denver where they won the Super Bowl. You still had Sanders have over 1,100 yards and 75 catches, six touchdowns. And you had Demarius Thomas that year had over 100 catches and 1,300 yards and six touchdowns. So Sanders can still excel at a big level, even being that number two receiver to more of a guy that, look, put up huge numbers with Demarius Thomas and now this year with Michael Thomas. So to me, that is amazing for the Saints. And I really... Love what they're doing with Emmanuel Sanders, and it looks like they're just doing all the right things. And look, they're going to try to channel in his time with Denver, I think, more. But then also you're going to use all the stuff that he's learned over the years. I mean, that was, look, five, six years ago. Now he's a different type of player because that's a long time ago. He's added a lot of things, and you could add that into his offense as well. You're going to add what he did probably with the play action with the 49ers. You want to do some of that stuff as well. You want to add what he obviously did with Denver, as we just talked about, and you kind of just bring all those things together and you can get around a 1,000-yard season. You can get around 70, 75 catches, and that would obviously be big because you're looking at what Emmanuel Sanders can do here, and even with some bad QBs, he still really was very good. I mean, you're looking at the year 2018, which he was kind of in and out. You had Simeon in there. A lot of different guys were in there, and in 12 games, he had 71 catches, 868 yards, and four touchdowns. That was in 12 games. So now put another quarter of the season, I think he would have got over a thousand yards. That was only two years ago. And people say that then 2019 switching teams is very tough. And he still put up pretty good numbers with 66 catches, uh, 870 yards, excuse me, and five touchdowns. And that's obviously really hard to do and was a big part of that leadership on that San Francisco team as they went to the Super Bowl. So that's kind of my outlook on Emmanuel Sanders. Love what he said here. And it's just really interesting. Like he's definitely bought in on the Saints bought in that Drew Brees. He said there were two places he wanted to go and he wasn't really fielding offers were anywhere else. And that was the 49ers. He would have returned, but they didn't really want him. And then he wanted to go to the Saints. He came to the Saints, which I thought was very interesting as well. And that just shows you he wants to be here. He wants to play with a Hall of Fame level quarterback. He wants to go out and win a Super Bowl. And to me, all that stuff is just amazing here from Emmanuel Sanders. And you love 
to hear that. So before we wrap up this podcast, now I wanted to get into what Cameron Jordan said on Good Morning Football and talk some NFC South football here and really dive into now this rivalry with the Bucks. And what Cameron Jordan said, honestly, I just want to really just run the tape, let you guys listen exactly the words from Cam's mouth, and then we'll come back and react to it. So here's Cameron Jordan on the Bucks here in 2020. The Brady, Gronkineers, uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay. Uh, now, you know, you got you got Shady Tampa. There's so many different ways you could go at this. Um, but I do know uh, we we have to step up our game. We have to elevate. I mean, they've got the second greatest quarterback in all times uh, right behind Drew Brees. And now we got head to head two times a year. Um, <laughs> OK, you know, we, we've we've got our we got our work cut out for us. Uh, and then, of course, they, they have in additions, you know, you, you bring in Le- Gronkowski and LaShawn McCoy. You already had 2,000-yard receivers and Godwin and Mike Evans. I mean, um, this is this is a team that's fighting for second place. I'm just going to go out and say it. I completely agree with Cameron Jordan, 100%. And I'll tell you why that the Bucks to me, are just battling for second place at the end of the day and why the Saints are just in a class above the Bucks. And I wanted to pull up the Bucks roster and just basically go group by group. And I'll show you why the Saints are better. And look, we're going to do our group by group previews. That's coming back for sure here before the September 13th game here, week one. So this is probably going to be a little similar to it here. And I want to start off here. Just I'm looking at the Bucks depth chart right now. And I have the Saints depth chart pulled up as well. And I'm just going to go down the line of why the Saints are in a class above the Bucks. And Cameron Jordan, the Saints... Not that they have first place locked up. In the NFL, anything could happen. They don't have the first place locked up. But what I'm going to say is they're a class above the Bucks, and the Bucks would have to show something completely different that we haven't seen before from the guys that they acquired if they're going to beat the Saints. It's that simple. And I just don't see it. And at the end of the day, they're just a class below the Saints. There may be even more if you're talking about, let's say they have injuries. They don't have a lot of depth. We'll get into all that. But, you know, they may be battling with the Falcons, who actually may be better. Than the Bucs. I think people, again, they look at the Falcons the last few years. The coaching just hasn't been, to me, top-notch. They've done a lot of questionable moves. But you look at their roster, it's a pretty good roster, especially their offense is, is pretty solid. And I know Saints fans probably don't want to hear that, but, yeah, their offense is pretty solid. Defense, I think, will need some work, and that's why I don't think that they're going to really challenge the Saints here. And to me, the Panthers are kind of in the rebuilding mode here. So to me, the Bucks. you're looking at the Falcons as well, they'll just be battling for second place. And I'm going to tell you why here. So, First with the Bucks, we're just going to look at them here today. And Brady versus Breeze. At this point in both of those players' career, Breeze is better. Brady is deteriorating. He's now learning a new playbook. And to me at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a game manager with his time with the Bucks. I don't think it's going to be a Peyton Manning type resurrection for him. I, I Again, I just don't see that. And I would be surprised if he does better than his last season. I think he's going to take a big step downward. I mean, he did throw for 4,000 yards last year, 28 for touchdowns, 8 picks for him. He had a 53.7 QBR. And again, I feel like when you're looking at Brady, again, he didn't have any weapons. Some people are going to say that. He didn't have many weapons. But he did have Bill Belichick. He did have a really good playbook. His scheming was good. The weapons weren't good. And not like Bruce Arians isn't going to put a good scheme together. I just don't think that it's as good as what New England puts up there. So that's all I'm going to say here. And you're looking at what Brady has done. His arm is deteriorating, it's that, and and that's the fact. And you're looking at what Brady's done, every year he's gotten worse and worse and worse. And to me, 
I think that this year he's going to be an average QB. That's just what I think he's going to be. Maybe a little above average, but he's not going to be the star MVP type player, Tom Brady, that we're used to seeing. I think he will take a step back, and I don't think Breeze will. I think Breeze will be a top five QB. Brady, I think, will be top 13, top 12. That's just what I think. And Breeze had a really good end of the season, and he's been working on his arm strength. He's really trying to get there. Now, I bet Brady is too, but Breeze kind of has some results. We've seen him throw the deep ball this offseason here. And I just think that Breeze is coming into a better place here in 2020. And at this point in both of their careers now, look, Tom Brady had just, I mean, one of the best careers ever. I mean, you have to go say that. He's won the rings. He's won the MVPs. He's up there in the record books with stats and stuff. But I think at this point in their career, Breeze is better. And he's not getting worse at the same rate that Brady's getting worse. And I think that's the case. Here, Brady... I wouldn't be surprised if he, he doesn't have a good season and it just it kind of blows up on them and they go 7-9 or something. Look, you look at all these QBs that have switched teams at the end of their careers, and I think a lot of people just think of Peyton Manning and, he, and, he, and they think that he's going to be the best. And then people look at Brett Favre and what he did with the Vikings. I don't think that Brady will do the same. When you're looking at what Favre and Manning did before they left their respective teams and what they were the franchise quarterback for, they still had amazing stats. Brady, and they weren't declining, Brady has declined in New England. And now you only can expect really a further decline here with the Bucs. And especially in this type of season where no offseason really, and he's learning the playbook really quickly, and probably it's going to be very messy in the beginning. I don't see them making the playoffs, and I'm going to project them not to make the playoffs. That's just what I think. I don't think that they're going to be that good. I think, again, I think Breeze is the better QB, and right now, I think that he's a guy that's going to put up better stats, he's going to win more games, and that's just my opinion here on the Breeze-Brady matchup in 2020. And moving over to the running backs, look, everyone's saying that the that the Bucks, oh, they added LaShawn McCoy, please stop it. Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, I'll take them over LaShawn McCoy and Ronald Jones. Maybe if LaShawn McCoy were running it back to 2015-2014, when McCoy was one of the best running backs in the league... But at this point in his career, and Ronald Jones hasn't shown enough, Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't shown enough, no one's shown enough from these running backs. I'll take the Saints running backs all the way. Wide receivers, this is where a lot of Bucks fans think they have the edge. Well, to me, Michael Thomas is the best receiver out of any of the uh, receivers in both groups. So the Saints have the best receiver overall. I think that when you're looking at Chris Godwin as the Bucks number two, Emmanuel Sanders is the Saints number two, Godwin is the better receiver if you're basing off last year's stats. But to me, I'm going to give it a push. And to me, the depth from both teams are a little wishy-washy. But again, I'm going to, at this point, just give it a push because I think Michael Thomas is the best receiver. I think that the Bucs have a better number two receiver. But I'm going to give it a push there. Both teams, to me, have outstanding wide receiver groups here. And when you're looking at the tight ends, Jared Cook, Rob Gronkowski, I'll take Jared Cook over Rob Gronkowski. The problem is is that they have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Now, the Saints do have Josh Hill, and they do have Adam Troutman. I think this is going to be really relying on Adam Troutman. If you can see Adam Troutman kind of do what Jimmy Graham did his first season, put up like five touchdowns, kind of especially at the end of the season, really be a threat in the end zone, I think you take the Saints here. If he can't do that and he's kind of a non-existent guy, you're probably going to take the Bucs. And that's just my outlook here on the tight end position. Offensive lines, I think the Bucs have a good offensive line above average, but I think the Saints have an elite offensive line. To me, the Saints have a better offensive line. I'll take them. Flip it over to the defensive side. And you're going to tell me that the Bucks have this amazing front seven, which they do. I mean, look, I'll give it hands down. Dom Kinsu, Vita Vey, William Goldston, JPP, and then also you have Shaquille Barrett there as well. 
And then your two linebackers are Levante David, who's one of the best linebackers in the league, and Devin White, who was a rookie from LSU last year. Again, I do think they have a good front seven. But here's the thing. I don't think their depth is very good like the Saints. So I think both players depth-wise, or both teams depth-wise, excuse me, aren't the best. And you're looking at what Cameron Jordan did. I think he's better than Shaquille Barrett overall when you're looking at an edge rusher. I think Marcus Davenport at Marcus Davenport's on the up. JPP's on the down. So I think they're going to be around equal. And then you're looking at the interior here. You have Ndamukong Sue. You have Sheldon Rankins. You have David Onyemata. You have Malcolm Brown. They have Vita Vey, who has been kind of, he's been good when he's played, but hasn't been able to stay healthy a lot. William Goldson's another veteran for them. I am going to give it a push, especially when you're looking at this defensive line. Go to the linebackers, and you see Levante David and Devin White. You have Demario Davis and Levante David. They basically cancel out. And then who are you taking? Devin White, who had a bad rookie season, or at least a disappointing rookie season. Or are you going to take a guy like Alex Anzalone, who's when played, has been very good, but has been hurt a lot. And you're same with Kiko Alonso, really. The same, you have Zach Ball coming in as a rookie. And also you have Nigel Bradham. I think the Saints have more depth. Now, starter, it's going to be close. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a push here. I think both can be a push. Both, to me, rank pretty well together. So then you're saying through this, well, Andrew, you said that the Saints were a class above. And it seems like you're giving a lot of pushes. You said the wide receivers are a push. You said the kind of the tight ends are a push. Now you're saying basically the linebackers and defensive ends are pushed. And I'm going to say, yeah, but better offensive line, better quarterbacks. That takes you a class above on the offense, in my opinion, and better running game. So that's obviously going to take you a class up. And I think that the Saints will be able to kind of control the line of scrimmage here against a good Bucks defensive line that the Saints sometimes have struggles with. I think that with this def- this offensive line, excuse me, I think they have a very good chance to control the line and run the ball well, especially with Alvin Kamara and stuff like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I think you want me to put a guarantee of when the Bucks play the Saints, this is going to happen. Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and the rest of the Saints wide receivers and tight ends will rip through this Bucks secondary. Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, excuse me there, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jordan Whitehead, that's a bad group. It's, to me, bottom five in the league, bottom ten for sure. And to me, when looking at this, the Saints, their secondary has a very, very good chance of being a top ten group with Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, and then also you have Marcus Williams. You have Chauncey Garner-Johnson, who just switched his name to C.D. Deuce. So now we have C.D. Deuce here as well, going to be probably more of that corner, that's that slot corner, excuse me there, and also a secondary as well, kind of playing in that joker role like he did last year. So put that all together, the Saints are leaps and bounds ahead of the Bucks in the secondary, and I think the Saints will be able to throw all over the Bucks. and if they can create just a little of a run game, that's going to be enough. And I think that the offensive line is going to be able to hold up with Drew Brees throwing the ball, and that's where I'm going to really give the Saints huge advantage, and to me, when you have a better offensive line, a better quarterback, and a better secondary, and everything else is kind of muddied, kind of similar, I'll take the team that has the better offensive line, better quarterback, and better secondary every day. And that's why they're a class ahead. Now, maybe in the next few years, if Brady stays for another two years or something, and they're able to develop this secondary, you may see them make a run at it. And also, you're able to retain everybody else. They may be able to make a run out of it. But right now, Give me the Saints in 2020. Give me the Saints to have a really good season. We're going to do our schedule previews probably when training camp gets going and we're a little closer to the season. 
and we're going to do our season previews. But give me the Saints in this this division here. And at the end of the day, Cam Jordan's right. The Bucks are playing for second place. So with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Who Dat Discussion, you should definitely follow us on all of our social media accounts. That means on Twitter, at the Who Dat Discussion. Personally on Twitter, you can follow me at, at Andrew Galata, as I said earlier in the podcast. You can follow the Who Dat Discussion on Instagram, at Who Dat Discussion. And then also, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get all your other podcasts. So that means iTunes, Spotify, and also Google Play as well. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to the Who Dat Discussion. So definitely check out that as well. This was a really fun episode for me as now, look, training camp's underway. We're hearing the Saints players now talk basically on a daily basis. You have like a new player every day, which is great. Alvin Kamara just spoke today, like as I made this podcast. So he said a few interesting things. I think the one interesting thing that I'll bring up very, very quickly is that people noticed that his body language wasn't great, especially at the end of last year. And he said he didn't really care when the fans were saying it, but when his teammates said like your body language isn't looking good, he wanted to make that better. And that to me was really interesting that he even said that his body language wasn't the best at the end of the season or maybe in the middle of the season when he was hurt. And he's obviously looking to improve on that. Now, I think that once he was getting more healthy, I think that body language was coming back. I think when he was scoring those touchdowns, it was frustrating. He wasn't healthy, wasn't scoring touchdowns. And that to me was more of a luck thing. And then once he was getting a little healthier week by week, even though he never really reached full health, even when he was recovering just week by week, and he started to hit the end zone. I think that body language got better. But I think this year when he's a full go, I think he's going to just be really excited for the season. You're going to see that amazing body language that we're used to seeing with Alvin Kamara. And again, I'm just really excited for the Saints season. Call me an optimist. Call me whatever. But I think that this Saints team has a real chance to win a Super Bowl. You have basically every player saying it's Super Bowl a bust. We got to win this one. We got to win it for Drew. And to me, that's just amazing. It makes me thirst for the football season. And uh, I can't wait for September 13th when the Saints kick off versus the Bucks. But I think with all that said, I want to say thank you guys for listening. Run it back. And who dat?